0: Welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast, a resource created by Lighthouse Family Retreat to strengthen families that are living through childhood cancer. You will hear stories from families, educational information on childhood cancer, and most importantly, we will encourage your family during this journey. We are glad to be back with you guys this week. Christy, it's Thanksgiving week.
1: It's my favorite week.
0: It's like the pre to the Christmas, I which I know is like your season. It
1: is my season. Yeah,
0: so we'll get to talk more about Christmas and trees in the next couple in the season, episodes. Yeah, yes. in the next couple episodes, mm-hmm. but not in this one. But it is Thanksgiving week. I hope you guys have great plans. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading and spending some time with us. I hope it's a great week for you guys with family with friends. I know there's a lot going on that's making this Thanksgiving a little bit more unique, but I hope you're still able to have some good times with family and friends and. Be able to think through what you're thankful for what i'm thankful for is who we got to sit down with uh, recently so a few weeks ago we had the chance to sit down with stephanie craig in person when that was just a treat in itself we got to record in person with someone Uh, and so stephanie is a licensed clinical social worker and she's also part of our lighthouse family her husband todd is on staff and has been for a little over a year And when we first met Stephanie, we got to read some of her blogs, and we realized that she would be perfect to speak into one of what we think is really one of our most important topics, especially for the families that we serve and that that are listening, and that's anxiety. And so she's going to give us some really great tips on this. So let's go ahead and listen in on our conversation with Stephanie. Stephanie, thank you so much for sitting down with us uh, for this podcast. We are really excited, um, not just to be learning from you, but also because you're part of the family. Uh, So your husband is on staff with us. And so we get the extension of Stephanie Craig. We get to hear through him as well, some of the great wisdom that comes. Uh, And I don't know if you even knew that, but it does. We feel there's a lot
1: of wisdom. The wisdom in your family is strong. We
0: attribute most of it that Todd shares to you. So just so you know.
2: That's really nice. I'm
1: very it. He agrees wholeheartedly. Just to give him a
0: few bonus points. He sure did. He sure does. Uh, all right. So we're sitting down to talk with you uh, about anxiety, and uh, and I thought a great starting point would be uh, let's define it so that everybody's on the same page of what is anxiety.
2: Okay. Anxiety is basically your brain and your body's response to being extremely overwhelmed. So we all get overwhelmed at some level, and we wouldn't call every overwhelming experience anxiety, but when we get very overwhelmed, our our brain goes into basically fight or flight, very similar to if you're in an emergency crisis situation, and there are some very specific things that happen that can create feelings in your body that feel very out of control.
0: That's a that's a good phrase out of control cuz that's how I feel when when anxiety is present. I feel like I'm I can't get a grip on it. That's it's,
2: it's hard to get a grip on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But you're going to share some stuff today on how to start to get a grip on it, right? Yes. All right, good. We're not getting into that right this second, but that's coming. That's coming, right? Well,
1: and I think anxiety, well it has a couple of things people think of when they hear the word, but it's usually negative. And it usually, you told me once that anxiety has a purpose, which I had never heard before, because to me it's just like, oh, anxiety, like nobody wants it, it's just inconvenient, maybe. But what, how does it serve a purpose?
2: So I think all emotions serve a purpose, and anxiety falls into that category. And anxiety is letting us know something about either our environment or about our thoughts. Most of the time, anxiety is letting us know that something's happening that we don't want to happen. Something's happening that we didn't plan for. Something's happening that feels scary to us. And it's important not to discount it
1: because it's bringing us information. So back to when I thought, you know, anxiety kind of has a negative connotation. It's usually not really good information that you're getting if you're scared, if it brings you stress, if it's something you don't want to be in. And relating this all, of course, to you know, our families that are going, the parents specifically, or even the children that are going through this cancer experience can cause extreme anxiety and none of that, all the things that cause that are not necessarily good. Like we don't necessarily want that information, negative information sometimes, or just like you said, out of control. We don't have control over the information.
2: That's true. And most of us don't want to know that we're out of control
1: it feels better to feel like we are in control. Well, Chris and I don't know anything yeah. about that, do we? <laughs> exactly. We are so easily, I mean, we just give up control all the time. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: if only that were the case.
1: So that feeling of wanting to be in control,
2: it's comforting, but it's also an illusion a lot of the time mm-hmm. because yeah. we actually aren't in control of things. And so the information the anxiety brings, it helps us sort out what do we have control over and what we don't, and that's incredibly valuable for life and our mental health.
0: Yeah. I find myself, and I'm sure there's some listening that feel the same way of, um, you know, anxiety comes in at different places, right? I can I can get anxious and feel anxiety in a big instance, like I can point to a big scenario, right? A big, big thing that would do it. And then there's other times where I get anxious by, and it's something that surprises me, which I, I've learned, at least what I've called it now, is a trigger, right? Yes. talk can you talk about that like what what is it like h- how do we handle and deal with the where it comes from or do we like what does that what does that mean because obviously I have somewhere I've buried it when it's the triggers like I've pushed it down enough and then all of a sudden there's a trigger and it just sparks it up in me and I start to get anxious
2: I think that's one of the tricky things about anxiety sometimes it's what I would call situational so you can really nail down this happened I know I don't like spiders, I had to kill a spider, my heart started racing, I feel some tingles, I'm anxious because I had to kill a spider. And then other times you just feel like you've been railroaded. You don't know exactly what happened, you, maybe you were just driving down the street and then suddenly your, start heart's, your heart starts racing and you, you start to get all of the physical parts of anxiety and you're not able to say this is exactly what it's about yeah so I do think it's important to try when we can first we have to calm ourselves down which we'll talk more about Mm -hmm. then after we've calmed ourselves down I think there's value in figuring out can I identify what the cause was because when we can identify it then we demystify it Hmm. and we can kind of create a mental list of okay these are the things that I know tend to get me anxious and I can prepare for that yeah but then there's a whole other section of things we can't even name. And when it just happens, I think in those moments, if we can't name it, it's okay to not stress over naming it, but instead just to say, I know I feel anxious, I'm not exactly sure why, but what I do know is that I have some tools in my toolbox to calm myself down. So I'm gonna focus on that right now.
0: Yeah. Um, You talk about um, calming yourself down first step, right? And um, And then starting to, once you've calmed down, all right, now I need to do the work on like where is this coming from? And like, what's that process look like? Is that something someone can do on their own? Or do they need to get help? Like sit down with somebody to help them figure out what's really going on.
2: So I think it depends on what level the anxiety is in your life. So I think most people, yes, when we have some moderate or below anxiety, which most of us have, we can do some simple things the first one would be taking deep breaths, and we can talk more about how specifically yeah. to do that. It sounds kind of trite to say, oh, just take some deep breaths, but truly, scientifically, that's what our brain needs, yeah. is it needs to reset itself. And when we breathe a certain number of breaths per minute, or, which means we're either sort of panting or we're holding our breath, both of those breath responses creates more fight or flight in our brain. Mm-hmm. It tells us we're in an emergency. When well, we can do slow, intentional breathing, it gets our brain back to a place where we have access to our rational thought capacity which is what we all want.
0: Yeah, is there, is there something chemical to that or is it just physical? Is it just breathing in the O2 and it's just the slowing down? Or I mean like what what makes that work?
2: Well I don't really know that there's anything in particularly, in particular chemical about it. It's just the way our bodies are made. Okay. Our bodies are made that our breath regulates our brain. So when we're breathing, Whatever the number of breaths is, it's not exactly the same for every person, but just in general, when we're breathing at a normal rate in and out, it communicates to our brain, I'm not in a crisis situation. But what most of us do when we get into a crisis is we breathe shallow or we hold the breath. Mm -hmm. And either one of those things tells the brain, scan for danger, Mm -hmm. scan for emergency. And then our rational brain essentially goes offline because all of the energy in the brain is now focused on survival. Gotcha. And that's great when there's actually an emergency, not so great when you're just going through life and suddenly all of that starts to happen to you and it's anxiety, there's not actually an emergency where you need adrenaline.
0: Right, so there's a difference, right? I mean, it's understanding there are gonna be the situations that are emergency and those emergency situations probably also come with anxiety, but that's that's gonna be the normal right it's like in that meant to, to to operate in the emergency mode right because there yes. truly is an emergency yes we're talking about alright there's not a true emergency there's just anxiety around what our brain is reacting to as an emergency and it's it's trying to respond to that to calm it to get it out of the emergency mode
2: that's right when we get emotionally overwhelmed there's part of our brain it's called the amygdala and that's what processes our emotion. And when the amygdala becomes overwhelmed, we get that very similar fight or flight response. And we want to be able to say, is there an emergency or is this anxiety? Right. Yeah.
1: Well, you said earlier that almost everybody has it. Now I would have said, I'm one of those, like, you know, put on your big girl pants kind of person. I would have said, well, I don't have anxiety, but I was surprised years ago, um, at how certain things affected me physically, and like I had physical reactions to things. And this was mainly around Carter's treatment, but I'd find myself, for instance, um, a big thing for me was, um, being in the lab, they access his port, they take his blood. And I have a between 15 and 30 minute time limit before those counts come back to me. And basically our whole next week, month, whatever is, revolves around those counts. So I would find myself physically, and I would get angry at myself. Like what, what is wrong with you? Like I, had physical reactions to that blood leaving the room and it was embarrassing. And I would try and like hide it from my kids. Like I would send them out to the game room cause I'm like, I don't want them to be in here cause it's very obvious. Something's not right with me. Looking back, it was anxiety, but I did not know that that could affect you physically, that you could have like a physical manifestation of that. So what are some of the ways if you're like me and you're thinking, I don't have anxiety. Um, I'm just acting weirdly right now. What are some of the ways that anxiety can manifest? Oh, it's so interesting. There are so many. Yeah. So
2: certainly the things I already mentioned, which would be your heart rate would increase. Sometimes people get numbness or tingling in different parts of the body. So it would be sometimes in your extremities, like your fingers and toes. Sometimes it's in the face. People will get blotches, rashes Hmm. that will come up on their skin. Sometimes people will get headaches um, at varying degrees. Sometimes people will get stomach Problems, all mm-hmm. different kinds of stomach problems, and there are just, there are some, blood
0: pressure, there are some, heart rate,
2: cer- certainly, certainly, yeah. yes, yes, and I would say if you have something going on that's physical that you can't explain and you're experiencing a lot of stress, mm-hmm. a lot of time there really is a direct line yeah. between the stress we're experiencing, which at times would elevate beyond just the regular stress into anxiety and those
1: physiological symptoms. There's such a strong connection. I just never knew that. I didn't know that stress could affect you physically. I just thought it was all like in your head. So just, I can just think my way out of this. I can just shame my way out of this. Like I'm just, I'm going to be fine, but I really wasn't fine. And it still happens. I mean, there's, I mean, we're long off treatment, but when there's a test like that and I have coping skills now, but I didn't back then. And it was a really, you wouldn't think 30 minutes could be that difficult, but it was really, really hard. To get through those 30 minutes, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So for parents out there that are listening, um, one, pay attention to the physical because those are going to be the identifying factors, right? When you feel those things coming up. If it was Christy in the in the clinic uh, when doing the blood and you're feeling what was your frustration, the you know heart rates going up or whatever was coming, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> you feel that identify that. And then now it's respond. What are some quick, like, and you, you mentioned this offline, uh, you know, the things to do in the urgent versus the maintenance, right? What are the things to address it right now in the immediate? And then there's also going to be some things, and we'll talk about that on, on the, on the next ep- episode that are more maintenance related. What are some of the things you can actually do in that moment to, to get a grip or or regain calm uh, to to manage the the anxiety
2: so the number one line of defense is always breathing so i teach people box breathing and talk
0: about that what's box breathing
2: box breathing is basically it's a slow breath in through your nose with a brief pause and then slow breath out through your mouth with a brief pause and it's called box breathing because you can count your breathing for each of those four activities, the in, pause, out, pause, and each one of those you could count for three or four counts so it's even yeah. on each side. All right. So it doesn't matter whether it's four, it doesn't matter whether it's three, some people feel comfortable with a different number, but just find a rhythm that works for you. The goal is that you are breathing slowly and intentionally and that you are not either holding your breath too long or taking very short, shallow breaths. All right. When you do that breathing, just think about breathing in calm and think about breathing out stress and anxiety All right. and do that starting for one minute. Usually if you do that 10 times, it takes close to about one minute. So I tell people do one minute, check in with yourself, if you're still feeling like you're rational problem-solving capacity is not available to you <laughs> do another yes. minute and you can do however many minutes you need to until you get to a place where you think okay I think I can think this thing through
0: mm-hmm. so
2: that would be the first is the breathing
0: all right well hey let's, yeah. let's do this can we do this
2: practice yeah let's, sure. do, let's do this right here sure. Every,
0: everybody's listening at the same we're, we're gonna do this together so what's your number three or 4 I'm gonna do three okay we're gonna we're gonna breathe in and uh, over three, right? Three yes. seconds. We're yes. going to hold for three seconds. Yes. Then breathe out for three seconds and hold that for three seconds. That's right. Right. All right. So let's do that together. All right. Okay. Are we ready on the count? Of three. One, one, two, three. We're going to breathe in. All right. That felt great.
1: Okay. And if you're listening and you're thinking, this is just breathing. Imagine being in the room and you half of you listening at least have been in the room. They have accessed the port. They take the blood. You've got nothing but time. So you can either, what I used to do, I had to put my head like in between my knees. I thought I was going to pass out, like face, heart. I couldn't, I didn't want my kids to like, I could not talk to people or carry on a conversation. This is super helpful because, first of all, it gives you something to focus on. So you're no longer focused on it's been six minutes, now it's been seven minutes, why aren't they back yet? Like it's, To me, it sounds simple, but it is simple, and it's something to do right this second. Whether you're in the ER or you're in clinic or you're waiting to find out if you're going to get to go home today or you're going to have to stay another week, it gives you something else to focus on besides the thing that you're waiting for, if that makes sense, which it will to the people listening, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It just, you just, you can feel it. You feel different when you breathe like that. I think that's great um, to be able to do that. You mentioned changing your thoughts. Can you, can you do that? Like, is it that easy to just switch what you're thinking? That's,
1: that's, here's my problem. I, I get on a loop with things. So like I'd be sitting there and I'm thinking they're not back and it's eight minutes. They don't want to come in and tell me because it's, it's gotta be bad. It's bad news. So now it's nine minutes now. And I have never Again, obviously I have a lot to learn, but I never thought you could kind of control your thoughts. I'm like, it's just, it's in there and it's going around and around and around. I never thought you could really control your thoughts. It was more situational. Well, I'm here. So this is obviously what I'm thinking about. Sure.
2: I would say adding some distraction to the breathing can be really helpful because the goal really initially is to get your thoughts and your body focused on the here and now because a lot of times what our anxiety is about, it's about what we're afraid is going to happen in the future, or it's about something that's happened in the past that is stressful to us. And so we're not only dealing with whatever we are actually doing in the present moment, we're dealing with all of our thoughts and feelings about Mm -hmm. the future and about the past. So when you're in the room and they're taking the blood out of the room, Mm -hmm. the goal is to be
1: right exactly where you are for as long as you possibly can be. And I'm not, I'm think I'm two days yeah. ahead that, or 30 minutes ahead thinking they're gonna come back with bad news and then what that means for the next four weeks or whatever.
2: Exactly, so I'll give you a couple more tips to okay. add yes. because the goal in, in the moment when you're anxious, the goal is I need to be right here, right now. Because right here, right now, I only have to deal with right here, right now. I don't have to deal with the future. That's I don't hard. have to deal with the past. It's very, very hard. very hard. Okay, so you can. Do the breathing, and in between each breath, count backwards from a hundred by an odd number, oh, other wow. than five. Okay, because we all know our five, <laughs> and that's too easy. Okay, so okay. you can pick nines, sevens, threes, however you want to do it. Wow! And you take a breath, and you go down from a hundred, and you go down to ninety-seven, and then you take a breath, and then you have to do subtraction. Yeah. Okay, and doing that subtraction takes up brain power. Yeah and it creates focus okay so counting backwards from a hundred by an odd number other than five Okay. okay the other thing you can do is you can do what we call grounding and grounding part of staying in the here and now is being really in tune with our five senses and really trying to immerse ourselves in the moment we're having right now and a good way to do that is to take a breath and then to look around and name for yourself something you see then take another breath And look around and name something you smell Hmm. and take another breath and look around and something you feel it might be the chair under you right it might be that you reach out and you touch something in the room so that you can describe it to yourself and you can go through that however many times you need to go through your five senses naming something from your senses in your present situation while you're breathing so you're slowing down your brain Mm -hmm you are bringing your rational capacity back online and you are really Mm -hmm. investing your brain in thinking about something that is right here, right now. That's different. And all of that helps to slow down those anxious thought loops.
0: That's great. So the box breathing, Yep. breathing and counting backwards from a hundred and a, and some multiple of an odd number other than five. Yes. And then, um, the grounding, which is, uh, you know, doing the five senses, breathing through the five senses where you're at in the room. That's really good. And all simple. Yeah, Like they're not complicated. Well, the counting backwards by some form yeah, of I was gonna say. can be tricky for some, <laughs> for folks, some of us, me included. that's tricky, um,
1: but, but it would distract me and it would keep my mind focused on yeah. something else. Cause that would be hard.
0: Those are all real easy to keep in your pocket. That's not something that's like, you know, you gotta have different tools for it's that's, and you can do that anywhere.
1: So for, you know, as I said, I would have said years ago, it's not anxiety. My child has cancer, so this is why I'm feeling this way. Um, And I can't control that, so therefore, this is what I would have said. "Um, I can't control that, so therefore, I can't control any of the ways that I'm feeling. Like, I have no power here. This is just what happens to me when I go to clinic every single time. What would you say about, I would have said it was situational instead of something that I could fix or help or control. It was my situation, not me not the way I was reacting to it. So for the families out there that we can't, you know, we have something, it doesn't even have to be your child has cancer, it could be some other situation you're in that is causing anxiety. I was focusing on what I couldn't control. Um, What would you say to that? I think what I would say to that is there are many
2: things in life that we can't control and we need to acknowledge that it's real, it's scary, it's overwhelming, and it gets especially scary when it's about your child. Mm -hmm. so that's real and I don't want to discount that but for all of us what's also true is really the one thing we have the most control over is ourselves we can't control everything about ourselves but if there's anything we have control over it's self-control to make some intentional decisions about how we're going to manage ourselves whether that be our thoughts or whether that be taking care of ourselves things like that so I think I would just just Give a gentle reminder that you have more power than you think you do. You're able to slow down and take some deep breaths. Mm-hmm. You're able to use some tools if you have them in your toolbox. Mm-hmm. Um, and also sometimes just saying to yourself, I'm overwhelmed and that's okay. That's what I, This is the skill of normalizing. Just yep. be able to say to yourself, this is really overwhelming. And there's nothing wrong with me feeling overwhelmed by this. It's natural for me to have some anxiety right now.
1: Do you see why I wish I'd met her like 10 years ago? Because that's not at all what I thought. Like I said before, I was just kind of embarrassed that I couldn't overcome it just by like positive thoughts or suck it up buttercup.
0: buttercup. (laughs) Real quick before, um, before we wrap up, um, what if you don't do anything about it? What if you just keep on going? You don't figure out how to breathe. You you don't do the count backwards. You're just going to keep stuffing it and figure out how to, like Christy did, stick your head between your knees and... Hope
1: you don't pass out.
0: Hope you don't pass out. Like, what what, what could be a long-term effect? Like, how, how does this impact you?
1: Okay, I
2: think of a couple of things. There are some people that might just muscle through mostly, and it may not turn into some major form of anxiety. But I think the side effect long-term for those folks is shame. If you keep telling yourself that what you're experiencing is not normal and that it's not normal to feel overwhelmed, It can create feelings of being ashamed, that I'm not strong enough, I'm weak, something must be wrong with me that I can't keep it together in this room, in this moment. I'm setting a bad example for my kids. All of these kinds of things that are just not helpful and they're also not true. Hmm. We can model for our kids that it's okay to be overwhelmed sometimes. It's okay to feel anxious sometimes. That it's true that some things are out of control and that that can feel really scary. It's it's okay to be honest. So I would say shame is one road that people can go down, and shame can really live with us for a long time, and it can influence our level of peace in day-to-day life years down the road. Mm -hmm. So for other folks, it may actually turn into more significant anxiety. And that might look like turning into full-fledged panic attacks hmm. um, which is where people really feel like they might be having a heart event and they may end up going to the emergency room and you know they run all the tests and everything is okay and then they're told well, we think you might have anxiety it can also turn into It's hard to leave the house. It's hard to wake up and face the day. Yeah. Because there's just so much unknown and so much stress that sometimes people's brains and bodies get stuck in the anxiety and it's hard to come back down from it. Hmm. So I would just encourage people, know that you're normal, know that some anxiety is normal, know that taking care of yourself is important. And if you're getting to a place where it feels like it's out of control and the tools we're talking about here aren't working, there's absolutely no shame in reaching out for help.
0: Yeah. I just want folks to know that it's not something where you just go into that mode, that mentality of, hey, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger, I'm gonna figure this out. But there are long-term effects that it's worth figuring out how to work through this differently because it will, affect you in the long term it'll affect your body it'll affect your mind it'll affect how you respond how you react and so I think that's really important that's why these are so simple and easy things that you can do so
1: well and I know that um it's also important you're worth it like you're taking care of your child and I know it's hard but you're worth it too and that's why we're going to sit down with Stephanie again we gave some quick tips right now but she has some other tips kind of what did you say earlier maintenance Maintenance, which I love because the quick tips would have helped me in that room but then when I went home and just kinda went through three years of this, there are some things I wish I had done and we're worth it mm-hmm. because we're taking care of our kids. And I think the tendency when your child is sick is to put everything into your child and nothing into you. Your mask does never goes on first. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna come back with Stephanie and we're gonna talk about self-care and mindfulness and kind of some maintenance ways to manage the stress and anxiety um, while your child's in treatment. And I think this this is so important because I didn't do it and I'm hoping that others will. Um, and so we hope you come back and listen with us again. Yeah. I just really loved getting the chance to sit down with Stephanie in person. And I have to admit, I've been practicing the box breathing. Oh, yeah. It's have magic. Okay, it's yeah. magic. It takes a little practice, but it's worth it. So if you're working on it, keep it up. It works. Um, I hope you all have a great turkey day. And if you want to know more about Lighthouse and what we do, visit our website at lighthousefamilyretreat.org. We will see you later on the next episode of the Lighthouse podcast.